0: This is It Was a Thing on TV. Total Red Man has ever done something like this to me! It's, uh, time.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, I give you The Dregs of Humanity! Episode 234, submission number 1926. Photon, the ultimate game on planet Earth. Photon was a syndicated TV show that aired from September 20th, 1986 to March 14th, 1987, for a total of 26 episodes.
0: Before there was time, there was Photon! The crystal energy force which creates and sustains life in our universe. The Warlord of R and his evil army are determined to control Photon and use it for their own evil enemies. The only thing that stands in their way is the Earthling Bodhi Lee, who along with five other Photon champions are known as the Photon Warriors!
1: before we get started i just want to make mention that uh this was my birthday pick because i did have a birthday yesterday yay happy birthday (laughs) so last year i chose a saturday morning show and this year i'm choosing another saturday morning show and it lasted 26 weeks but there's actually a bit of history behind it i guess the best way to begin this is to ask the question, what is Photon? I mean, the intro said Photon is life and Photon is the energy and Photon is the universe and all. But in real life meat space, Photon is basically a laser tag system developed by George Carter III when he was adapting the Miles Tactical Army Training System for Civilian Use. And in 1984, he opened the very first Photon Center in the Dallas suburb of Garland, Texas. Now, if you've ever played laser tag before, you know how it works. You run around for a while, you shoot people who are not on your team, and the players with the most points win. Now imagine that this sort of thing, this sort of center, is actually a training ground/slash recruitment tool for the universe's greatest warriors to take on the forces of evil and restore light to the universe. That is basically the premise behind Photon, as developed by one Andy Hayward who by this time would be president of Deke Animation City, which pretty much owned every 80s cartoon that was not produced by Hanna-Barbera. And the premise was, this was the pitch, it's basically a show that markets both the game Photon and any sort of licensed paraphernalia that Photon would get itself into, like a home version of the game, which includes the phaser, the sensor, the helmet, that runs about 100 bucks. Deke managed to score 26 episodes off the deal, and let's just say it was produced very cheaply. You have... A bunch of real world scenes plus b-rolls that are shot here in the US and then you have a bunch of outer space scenes that were shot with miniatures green screens puppets and costumes in Japan and all of this was set to a pop music soundtrack that they had to license out to be able to use on the show. And all of the actors are basically paid scale, and this is basically their one and only credit. So imagine, if you would, a TV show that was produced at cost, syndicated around the country, and tied into a growing fad of uh, photon and laser tag in general. So you can imagine they made a lot of money off of this. So what happened? Well, we'll get there. But first, let's introduce you to the world of Photon. And it all begins with a teenager by the name of Chris Jarvis.
2: Wait, is he related to Jarvis from Iron Man?
1: uh, Don't you wish. Oh, yeah. Chris Jarvis is perhaps one of the best, if not the best, photon player in his home prefecture, where, wherever in the world that is.
2: Well, how do we know he's the best photon player?
1: Uh, But you should ask that. In the first episode, he is in the middle of a photon tournament where he competes under his user tag, Bodie Lee. And he is totally owning it to the point where he ends up winning the thing. At that moment, he is sucked out of wherever he is and teleported onto a giant floating space station. So, yes, this plot is similar to, but legally distinct from, The Last Starfighter.
2: I guess they didn't want to get sued by Universal Pictures.
1: No. So, he was recruited to join the fight against the forces of darkness, and he's all like, well, what do I have to do? This is what he has to do. He has to lead his alien compatriots onto several planets where He has to look for a photon crystal that, when shot upon, will restore, I'm guessing, vegetation or vitality to the planet. However, if the forces of darkness, led in this universe by the Warriors of Ar, or the Aryan Empire, part of me wants to say that was no accident it'll turn into a barren wasteland. So, on the one side, you have the Photon Warriors, led by Bodie Lee, played by Christopher Lockwood. He is joined by Lord Beethan, a cyborg, played by Graham Raby. Parcival, a young Earthling orphan with a Cleveland Indians hat, played by Eros Rivers. Leon, a lizardoid creature played by Akiyoshi Ono. Uncle Pike, a changeling who kind of looks like the poo emoji played by Kazuhisa Kanamaru, And Tibia, the ninja princess of Nivia, which is a planet populated by women after the males become extinct. And according to supplemental literature... Uh Breed by Cloning, played by Loretta Haywood. On the other side, you have the Warriors of R, led by Mandar, a renegade photon player from Earth named Evan Kylie, who's played by David Anthony Stay. Pyrar a pirate, played by Sam Taylor. Warrior, a warrior, played by Satoshi Ishihara. Dogar, a sort of canine-humanoid hybrid, played by Teichi Igarashi. Bugar, a bug with a British accent, played by Yoshito Shiraishi. And Destructar, which is a big bad, played by Yoshito Nagatsuka. And guiding the Photon Warriors is an interface called the Multiple Operation Matrix. They call her Mom. And in order to activate the photon crystals on the planet, you aim your photon phaser at the crystal, shoot it, and call out the catchphrase of the Photon Warriors, the light shines. This was basically one of the first American productions to shoot a tokusatsu-style series for an American audience, which, of course, means a lot of puppetry, a lot of rubber suit, a lot of miniatures, a lot of green screens, and a lot of reused footage throughout the series. That scene where Bodie Lee flips into action, has to be used at least 17 times. But aside from that, it is essentially your good versus evil set to a soundtrack. I have the soundtrack here with the episodes, so let's go over the episodes right now, shall we? And by the way, just want to send a quick special shout-out to PhotonForever.com who not only has all of the episode guide, but links in which you can watch 25 of the 26 episodes. If you're a fan of episode 20, sorry. (sighs) Alright. Episode 1. The Recruit. While playing Photon in the tournament finals, teenager Christopher Jarvis is being observed by the Photon Guardians by the sentient computer, Mom. They agree that his Photon skills indicate he would be an asset to their group, And as he shoots the base of the game on Earth, Christopher Jarvis is beamed up the spaceship in Telestar and transformed into his alter ego, Bodie Lee, with strength and skills magnified by the positive power of Photon. Bodie Lee learns the Photon Guardians are an elite team of Photon players from other worlds who are tasked with defending the light against the warlord of R and his forces of darkness, and that only the best Photon players are called to serve in this battle. The Guardians are then called into a mission to retrieve a photon crystal after the ship carrying the crystal is taken down by the Aryans. Bodhi Lee is reluctant to get involved at first. However, after assisting in the battle and helping the team to charge the crystal with photon energy and life, he is convinced to accept his position with the Guardians. Bodhi Lee accepts the ring that will signal him when he is needed to return to space by running to his photon center, finding the target, Shooting at it and calling out the words, The Light Shines. The music featured in this episode, Footloose and Susudio. Episode two. Oh, by the way, do we mention that every one of these episodes, because this is a kid's show, has a sort of Aesop attached to it? No. Because that would be important in episode two, Skin Deep. Chris doesn't want to take a less attractive girl to the school dance, but he's called to be part of a mission on the planet Barbaroi. Lee learns not to judge based on appearances. He assumes an ugly creature must be bad, and follows the beautiful girl named Fasad. When the pretty girl leads the Guardians to a cave that begins filling with lava, they learn that she's working with the Aryans. R. Meanwhile, Parzival befriends Shalix with the aid of his translator, the ugly being who's actually a good person, masked by the unattractive appearance that changes once the photon crystal is charged. When the light is released, Shalix becomes attractive, and Fasad's true ugliness is revealed. Later on Earth, Chris understands that appearances can be deceptive when he picks up his date, who is so beautiful when dressed for the dance that he doesn't recognize her. The moral of the story, don't judge on appearances. That's just a bleep move. And the music on this episode, Jumpin' Jack Flash by the Rolling Stones. Episode 3, A Grave Matter. The Guardians are separated on two missions. Pike, Bodie Lee, and Tibia are sent to the planet Tomb, the graveyard for former photon warriors, while the others are retrieving a photon crystal elsewhere. On Tomb, a crystal begins to fade because the planet's caretaker, Colonel Bishop, has not recharged it. Bodhi Lee is injured in battle when a poison gas grenade is released, and Colonel Bishop releases the power of Photon to drive the Aryans away. But Tivy is captured as a hostage. While Bodhi Lee is in his weakened physical state, Colonel Bishop channels the power of Bodhi Lee's spirit to create a new life form in his image. In his new form, Bodhi Lee falls in battle and is presumed dead but after charging the planet's photon crystal his real form returns with his re-energized spirit the moral story do not shirk your responsibilities they're there for a reason okay and the music is the heat is on by uh glenn fry
2: oh i love that song
1: episode four just for fun After Chris experiences pranks on Earth, the Guardians leave Telestar to find Parzival, who is sent to X-Mag 93, where the young princess of the planet plays pranks as well. The princess plays tricks on the Guardians with projected images and power surges, while hiding the photon crystal they're there to charge. She pretends she's forgotten the whereabouts of the crystal in order to spend time alone and flirt with Bodie Lee. Mandar and Warrior find them, and Mandar escapes with the crystal, And also takes Parsifal as a hostage. Princess Arya distracts Mandar so Bodhi Lee can retrieve the crystal. And the music in this episode is Beat It. Yes, that song. And Looking for Clues, which is a lost hit by Robert Palmer that was released in 1980. Episode 5, No Laughing Matters. Christopher Jarvis is adamant about not appearing foolish in a PTA show. However, the Guardians must disguise themselves when they visit the planet Gaffaw. Mandar has infiltrated the planet and deceives the king. Mandar hosts the laugh Festival, not related to the show, where Tibia entertains the audience while the others wear costumes to avoid being recognized. Bodhi Lee does not want to wear a costume until he is recognized by the Aryans and is then captured by the king. Moni Lee decides wearing a costume can be fun, and he's disguised while Buggar forces the king to turn over the photon. The Guardians engage the Aryans in battle to keep the crystal in the king's possession. With his new perspective that dressing in costume can be fun, Chris participates in the PTA show after all. Moral of the story, stop taking yourself so darn seriously. You're only a warrior in a never-ending battle against darkness for the fate of the universe. And uh, the song in this one is Angel by Madonna and Twist and Shout. Y'all remember that song?
0: I know Ferris Bueller does.
1: Episode 6, The Queen's Pawn. Bodie Lee is sent to rescue Queen Sana, who escaped from an Aryan attack while carrying a photon crystal. Her escape pod crashed on the planet Gobaday, but she's more interested in exerting her power than allowing Bodhi Lee to rescue her. During the rescue effort, he's faced with a battle with Mandar for the Queen and saves her life. She in turn uses her power cape to help him and allows the Guardians to activate the crystal on the planet where she will start a new life. The experience teaches Christopher Jarvis a lesson about imposing control when it comes to his younger sister who, by the way, is a recurring character on the show, played by Clarissa Reed. Again, this is as good as her career is going to get.
2: Well, enjoy it while you can.
1: And the uh, music on this show would be Born to be Wild by Wolf and Somebody's Watching Me by Rockwell.
2: Oh, yeah, Someone's Watching Me by Rockwell. Yeah, a lot of people think that's Michael Jackson, but nope. He only did the background vocals.
1: He only did the chorus. Yeah. That's all he did. Episode 7, Deadly Thorns. The caretaker of the planet, Zaku, has not energized the crystal on his world, so the Guardians go to the planet to find out why. They find themselves on a beautiful planet full of living plants. When deadly roses spray their pollen on Tibia, she is unmasked by the caretaker who catches her with her vines and carnivorous flowers. Parseval also finds himself in a dangerous situation with the roses. The caretaker fears that they will harm his beloved plants. Lord Bathan saves Parseval with photon energy. The caretaker sees that the Aryans are the evil ones as they try to destroy his roses, and that charging the photon crystal is the way to give his planet and his restored roses continued life in a peaceful world. It's important to remember, if you're a guardian of a photon crystal, the red helmets are good, the green helmets are bad. Music on this includes I Love Rock and Roll and Isn't She Lovely. Episode 8, Rebel of Cyborgs. Lord Bathan finds himself in peril on his home planet, of M- MX-8, as it is revealed that the computer that created him was once made in darkness, and has returned to darkness as the power of the photon crystal there has faded. The Guardians go to the planet to recharge the crystal. Meanwhile, the MX-8 computer clones Lord Bathan, and the evil clones attack them. It is revealed that Lord Bathan was made in darkness but exposed to light energy. The computer expects that the real Lord Bathan will return to the darkness, but instead he charges the photon crystal with positive energy and gives his planet recharged light. Songs on this episode include Higher Love by Steve Winwood and Superstition by Stevie Wonder. Episode 9. United We Stand. On Earth, Chris faces the school bully. Elsewhere in space, R has developed a weapon that can reverse the energy of photon crystals. The Guardians must find and destroy the weapon on the planet Prima before the Warlord of R turns his destruction toward Earth. They befriend a young boy named Mongwani. At first, the citizens be asked with suspicion and distrust. Bodhi Lee develops a plan to surrender while the others continue to search for the weapon, but none of the people besides Mongwani are willing to help. He shows the Guardians to the place where the Aryans are hiding with an oversized neutral crystal. The people recognize that Mongwani was the most wise and brave to support the Guardians. Later on Earth, Chris also learns that when many people stand together, they could be more intimidating than the bully. Music on this episode includes Come On, Feel the Noise and War. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. Episode 10, The Nivian Challenge. Tivia must engage in a challenge with a childhood friend named Doria to retain her crown as the Ninja Princess of Nivia. However, Doria has been deceived by the Warlord of R and brainwashed into thinking Tivia is her enemy, and Mandar assists in rigging the contest in Doria's favor. Bodhi Lee stays on the Zephyr, while the other Guardians find themselves in need of assistance, but he does not monitor the situation because he is distracted by watching Tivia. And let's be honest, if you saw an alien ninja princess in a form-fitting costume, you'd be distracted too. Yeah. When he realizes his mistake, Bodhi Lee rushes to stop Mandar from interfering and aid the others. Tibia emerges as the victor of the challenge. She gets to keep her crown, but declares that she will share the crown with her friend. Music in this episode includes Honky Tonk Women by The Rolling Stones. Andy Hayward, Haim Saban, and Shuki Levy really love The Rolling Stones, apparently. Episode 11. If at first you don't succeed. Chris's sister Kathy plays a round of Photon and the team blames her for a loss. Meanwhile, the Guardians have a limited window of time to retrieve a Photon crystal from the planet Halcyon and steal the planet from R based on Parseval's calculation. By the way, uh, Parseval, in case you haven't figured it out, as the youngest of the Photon Warriors, he is and Greg will know what I'm talking about. The guy in the chair. Yeah. Yeah. And he's apparently from Cleveland, because, you know, that.
0: Kind of funny that someone with a Cleveland Indians hat would be on a team called the Guardians. Foreshadowing about 35 years early.
1: When the calculations turn out to be incorrect, Parsable feels like a failure and the Guardians find themselves in the middle of an earthquake where Lord Faith is nearly killed. Parseval tries the calculations again so that Bodie Lee can retrieve the crystal and save Bathan. Parseval charges the crystal and takes the planet back for the light. Back on Earth, the photon player apologizes for being so hard on Kathy and invites her to play with them on their team in the league. Music in this episode includes Thriller. Episode 12, The Road Not Taken. There is a chance for Bodhi Lee to bring Mandar back to the light if he can lure him underground and place a conversion device on his head to block the transmissions from the warlord. Bodhi Lee reminds Mandar of a time in the past when he was Evan Kylie of Earth and is revealed that Evan was turned into Mandar after the Aryans killed Katya, the woman he loved. In a flashback, it's learned that Evan Kylie became Mandar only after a great deal of torture. The other guardians face off with the Aryans on the surface. Mandar is hurt while underground, and Bodhi Lee helps him to break free, and Mandar repays the kindness by letting Bodhi Lee escape unchallenged, opting to take the higher road. And if you've seen Mandar in photos on the internet, you just want to say, hey, Seven of Nine called, she wants her gear back.
2: Hmm.
1: Episode th- Oh, by the way, music in this episode is "Runaway," the Del Shannon tune. Episode thirteen: Bodie's solo mission. Chris helps his mother to repair the family car. Bodie Lee is sent on a mission alone on a planet where he meets Clemek, a wise old former on guardian who offers Bodhi training and teaches him how to be more respectful and less reckless during missions. Bodhi learns useful skills during his solo training sessions. He puts his lessons to the test when the Aryans show up. Together with Clemik, they achieve a victory for the light, and Bodhi Lee is given a favorable assessment, though advised to go by the book. He literally goes by the book to complete the repairs on the family car back on Earth. Music on this episode includes Axel F, you know, Axel F. Axel Axel F. F.
2: Yeah, from Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, Yeah, everybody knows that.
1: Yep, and Electric Avenue by Eddie Grant. Episode 14, One of a Kind. Chris is initially not accepting of the new player in the arena who's a little bit different. The Guardians head to the desolate planet Phylos, where the Guardians battle with the Aryans and Parzival is taken away by an unusual plant-like creature who becomes injured during the encounter. The others are cautious, but Parseval discovers that the creature is kind-hearted, and when Leon arrives, they discover the creature is his old friend, Prince Om. The creature carries a photon crystal with him and needs sunlight to survive. The Aryans interfere while the prince is trying to turn the crystal over to the guardians, but in the end, the ritual is completed when Prince Om vaporizes and in doing so, returns his planet to life through his own sacrifice. When Chris returns to the Proton center on Earth, he has a new attitude and welcomes the new player to his team. Music in this episode includes... Go Home by Stevie Wonder and White Horse by Laid Back. From 1983. Space Terror, episode 15. A boring day on Earth is significantly more concerning in space when the photon guardians learn about the existence of a black hole that is consuming planets, and Earth maybe next. They must figure out how to destroy it, but the black hole has unusual properties. It begins to draw the Intellistar inward, and Tivia, Parseval, and Mom are impacted by the pole. When Mandar indicates that the black hole was caused by the collision of two dark photon crystals, The Guardians realize that it must have been caused by accident, and the light photon crystals could be the solution. Bodie Lee volunteers to risk his life while carrying two light crystals to the center of the black hole in the rescue pod in an effort to destroy the dark energy and save Earth. Music on this episode includes Addicted to Love and Danger Zone. Episode 16: Maze of Fear. The Photon Guardians must face their worst fears after being lured into a trap that was presented to them as a charity Photon game on the planet Ganama. When they realize they're playing undefended against opponents with unmodulated phasers, the Guardians each go through a different color door. At each door, they come face to face with their fear. Parcival receives advice from Mom that he can use the power of his mind to conquer his fears, and he shares this knowledge with the others, so they could escape and overcome the fears that paralyze their own minds. Music concludes Let's Spend the Night Together by the Rolling Stones. Episode 17 Necessity and Invention. There's a chance for the Guardians to restore 34 planets to light during a brief period of alignment as they learn of the defeat of Fort Barron 100 years earlier. Parseval gives Bodhi, Lee, Tivia, and Bathan unusual packs to carry as they make their way to the surface of the planet Barren. The packs contain jumping balloons to help the Guardians cross over a mode of acid. However, the Arians destroy one, forcing Bodhi, Lee, to carry Tivia across with him. Tivia clears away a hidden trap, but the Arians are ready to battle the Guardians to keep them from reaching the crystal in time. The fate of the planets comes down to charging the crystal transmitter in the final seconds of the alignment period. Music in this episode includes Feeling All Right by Traffic and It's Only Rock and Roll, But I Like It by The Rolling Stones. Episode 18 Think Quick. The Photon Guardians receive a message from a resistance effort on the planet Peligro where the Aryans are using the power of a photon crystal to transform the people of the planet into evil soldars. Get it? Because soldiers and are and...
2: Yeah, I get it. I get it.
1: Bodhi Lee, Tibia, and Parsifal go to the planet to blend in with the inhabitants. Bodhi Lee is captured while being mistaken for a Pelagron citizen, and Mandar commands that he be taken into the mine to be transformed into a soldar. Meanwhile, Tivia and Parseval come up with a plan to rescue him and stop Mandar from completing the conversion. The music in this episode includes Born to be Wild, Runaway, and Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. Episode 19 Prehistoric Planet An alliance ship crashes on a neutral planet that is inhabited by dinosaur like creatures. The use a petrification raid to freeze the creatures on the planet. When the Guardians return, they find that many of the creatures have been turned to stone. One surviving creature has apparently swallowed the photon crystal, and Parsifal understands it is important not to harm him. In order to retrieve the crystal, Bodhi Lee flies into its mouth and through its body. Basically, it's a giant Godzilla, and Bodhi Lee has to be swallowed whole. Music in this episode includes Don't Stop Till You Get Enough, The Harder They Come by Jimmy Clip and Willer.
2: They're really repeating a lot of songs.
1: Well, the last two episodes were the uh, first ones to have repeat songs. And as you can tell, we're getting close to the end here. Although you can watch any of these episodes except for the first one and the last one. Out of order. Episode 20. Not a care in the world. This is the lost episode. Chris's girlfriend on Earth breaks up with him when she reveals she's moving away. Bodhi approaches Bathan for advice on how to be less caring and emotional as a result of being hurt. Parsifal falls victim to Photonium poisoning, and while Bathan appears dispassionate, Bodhi decides to trade Mandar the Photonium in hopes of saving Parsifal, because he realizes it's okay to care. Parsifal awakens only after the photonium is positively charged. Episode 21, Mind Zapped. It's an anti-drug episode, because 1986 in America. Chris has an encounter with a young pusher who offers some drugs. Later in space, Bodie and Leon go on a rescue mission, that lands them in a bar-like atmosphere where Bodie is inadvertently pulled under the effects of a video game-style stalking device that acts as a metaphor demonstrating the dangers of drug addiction. Drugs are bad. Okay. The episode features the song Don't Forget Me When I'm Gone by Glass Tiger and, again, Thriller. Episode 22, The Right Time. Bodhi, Lee, and Tivia argue more intensely than usual before going down to a desolate planet where the Guardians are tasked with charging a photon crystal after the rare Sky Gem cocoons hatch. However, Bodhi attacks quickly, and as a result, the Sky Gem hatches too early and releases a poison that puts Tivia into a coma like state. Bodhi tries to go back in a time window to save her. When this fails, he takes a lesson from a properly hatched Sky Gem who teaches him to drink the nectar from a flower and kiss Tivia. In order to revive her. Yeah. You can hear my eyes rolling. The uh, song of this episode is Axel F. Lost Time. Episode 23. At first, the family doesn't make time to spend with each other. Bodhi learns the importance of family while Leon tries to rescue his long-lost wife and daughter who are carrying a Photon crystal when their spaceship crashed on the planet Marius. He has hallucinations about finding his family, and instead finds his family's friends who are the only survivors, and carry the crystal that was given to them by Leon's wife. In the end, the Guardians realize that Photon is their family. So, let's review. Photon is a game. Photon is life. Photon is energy. And now Photon is family.
2: Photon is everything.
1: And everything is Photon.
2: Everything is Photon. Everything in this universe is
1: Photon. The music of this episode... The music is Photon! music of this episode is Born to be Wild and Danger Zone. They're
2: repeating a lot of songs!
1: They are. Like, did they
2: only have, like, so many songs they
1: could use? Well, I believe they had enough songs for 26 episodes... And then they went in and, well, used two in a single episode. I guess nobody thought, hey, has anybody thought that we're going to run out of songs before we run out of episodes? And Andy Hayward was like, shut up and play the song.
2: Play the damn song. It's like,
1: I'm going to bend my head, play the song. Andy Hayward is not going to fire me today. Episode 24, The Light Flickers. Bodhi Lee feels angry when Mom sends the other Guardians ahead on a mission. They crash on a planet where Laminite saps their energy, and Bodhi Lee must help them. They must use all the strength they have to rescue and recharge the crystal to counteract the effects of the Laminite, and in doing so, he realizes his importance to the team. Yes, this is basically a designated survivor episode. And the music, once again, is Jumpin' Jack Flash by the Rolling Stones. So they're repeating songs, and half of the songs are by the Rolling Stones. Episode 25, penultimate episode. Friends and Enemies. The defective Soldar D is handcuffed to Bodhi Lee after the Guardian is captured by an Aryan traction trap. Mandar intends to use Bodhi as bait to lure the other Photon Guardians, but instead, he escapes with Soldar D, who he nicknames Bubbles! Because, again, America in 1986.
2: Well, that was the name of Michael Jackson's chimp.
1: See what I mean? The two must work together and discuss the potential result of charging the photon crystal, and in the end, the soldar must make a decision about which side to take in his final moments of life. Uh, Episode includes I Can't Get No Satisfaction and Sludgehammer.
2: Okay, so you got some Peter Gabriel.
1: Yep. And the final episode, which is a proper final episode, Stalemate. The Guardians are sent to the planet Teuton to seek out a neutral photon crystal before the Aryans do, as the fate of the universe is at risk. The Guardians rest during the night, and Tibia wants to make amends with Bodie Lee. When Bodhi goes off on his own, he discovers a strange portal that allows him to see present time on the planet, but it turns out to be a trap. It's a trap! When Bodhi touches the gridlock, he is transported to the Warlord of R, who shows him a flashback of Bodhi Lee's time as a photon guardian. The Warlord tells him the current battle where the other guardians will experience great suffering unless Bodhi Lee turns over his photon ring. The Warlord insists Bodhi crawl to him but Mom advises him to resist and fight for the light. The power of Photon and the ring destroys the warlord of R, and Bodhi Lee is able to escape to help his friends retrieve the crystal from Mandar before it's too late. In a final race to the end, Bodhi Lee and Mandar shoot the crystal at the exact same time, and the planet is half in light and half in dark. However, without the power of the warlord, Mandar vaporizes and the crystal becomes neutralized. The final lesson is that the Photon Guardians are there to maintain a balance so that the light shines. Because after all, the light cannot exist without darkness. And darkness cannot exist without the light. And the song in this episode is Automatic by the Pointer Sisters.
2: Oh, that's great.
1: That is great. So to review. Laser Tag... Science fiction show, musical licenses, green screen technology to uh, produce everything at cost, and make it so it looks like Land of the Lost is a masterclass. In short, it was produced very cheaply, but it raked in a ton of money. So the question now becomes. Well, what happened? And the simple answer to that is... America happened. Yep. Um, the show was actually getting ready to produce a second season with uh, news stories, obviously. However, the times were a-changing... People started to get wise to the glorification of gun violence, and people were actually being killed by uh, real guns, by people who thought that toy guns were real guns. Of course, this got LJN, whose subsidiary, EnterTech, produced the home units and also the action figures, because there were action figures on this show they got them into a lot of legal trouble and they were forced to shut down by the end of the decade
2: so by extension this show is the reason we ended up with the WWF Hasbro figures
1: pretty much, yeah
2: good, because the w- I'm going to be quite honest the WWF LJN figures were crap I think you've said that in the past. Oh, yeah. They, they were in, like, one pose. That was
1: it. They were in one pose. They were really, really tough rubber, and they got inked up really, really quickly. And yeah, I was she- going to say,
0: didn't one of you say something about, like, it, 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 the ink wore my off? My Greg
1: the Hammer Valentine would always end up taking on some of the paint in my room.
2: Oh. yeah. yeah. Well, at least when they went to the Hasbro figures, at least you could do stuff with them. At least you could actually do, like, body slams and stuff.
1: Yep. But there is another thing that led to the demise of the show, and that would be the rise of the Nintendo. Because while running around in a dark-lit space environment is really good fun, and if you can find a laser arena in your area, I suggest you go do it. It doesn't compare to staying home and playing video games. And by the end of the decade, all of the photon centers, or a great majority of them, were forced to shut down due to lack of funds. Now again, laser tag is still a thing if you can find it. Like here in Fayetteville, we have one over at the Putt Putt and one that just opened next to the uh, where the movie theater was. But the original Photon Arenas were forced to shut down, and this came at a time when they were basically putting Photon on everything. Halloween costumes, lunchboxes, children's books, young adult books.
0: It should be noted that the Photon children's books were written by veteran comic book writer Peter David, who you would best know as the creator of Spider-Man 2099 and also co-created the Nickelodeon show Space Cases.
1: There was even a Photon video game released in Japan called Hikari no Senshi Photon, the Ultimate Game on Planet Earth. In fact, I know it's a little early, but hit the music! <music> Alright, this is a copy of Hikari no Senshi Photon, The Ultimate Game on Planet Earth as released for the uh, Famicom system in 1987. It's based more on the game, but it's loosely based on the TV series. It's interesting, to say the least.
2: So this is for the Famicom?
1: This is for the Famicom, yes.
2: Okay. Hmm.
1: And now I'm quoting, good condition.
2: Yeah, that could mean anything.
1: It really it, as long as it's in
0: working condition, I think, is the big thing right now.
1: Well, unless you have a Famicom buried somewhere, you won't really know.
0: Well, I just mean it's been tested and it plays on uh, the Famicom. Somebody did th- their due diligence. hmm Okay, I've, I've got a bid in mind. All right. Mike, you have a bid in mind? Oh, I was hoping you start with Greg, but that's fine.
1: I, was, I could start with Greg.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. I just wanted to say, I'm just declaring I've got a bid in mind. Okay. It's and, my uh, birthday, uh, and
1: I'll and I'll cry if I want to. No, <laughs> no, okay. it's
0: it's not my birthday, and I'll bid first if I want to. Okay, um, I'm going to say seventy nine
1: ninety nine. All right, Greg.
2: No five bucks
1: oh geez thank you wow yeah the actual buy it now price of this copy of famicom hikari no senshi photon 43.99 yeah
0: $43.99. so that's almost splitting the difference there okay
1: yeah you're gonna get half a photon set for that money And hey, if you're lucky, you can find one on eBay and get the whole Photon set for that money. So we have the changing landscape, or political landscape, the uh, rise of video games, and basically the fall of LJN and licensed products with the Photon name. And when you have nothing to market, you have no reason for the show. And so, Photon was cancelled in 1987. But the show remains a forgotten masterclass in cheese, I want to say. Because it has everything that was right about the 80s and everything that was wrong about the 80s. And it told a passable story in those episodes. And it did what it was supposed to do, was, was make money for the company, so to speak. And this is 1986, which means it was a lot less expensive to produce a uh, live-action show than it was to produce, say, a cartoon. And the thing of it is, the writers of this show did adhere to a strict, let's keep in mind that this is meant to be a live-action video game. So we're going to keep that in mind and build the show around that. So there you have it. Any thoughts?
2: No, that's pretty much it. I don't have any thoughts. Other than, yeah, they recycled the music way too much on this show.
1: They recycled a lot of things way too much on this show. The flipping. Like I said, there was like 84 times where they show Bodie Lee flipping, and they use the exact same sort of musical chime every time they do. Like it's supposed to be an event or something. But, yeah, all of the episodes, save for episode 20, are on YouTube if you feel like watching them.
0: And there's no restrictions because of the music?
1: Right now, no.
0: High emphasis on right now.
1: High emphasis. As we record this, there are no restrictions. So you can relive the Halcyon days of 1986 where everything was made in miniature Transposed onto a green screen, and we're all just supposed to you know believe in the magic, I guess no, not the magic, believe in the light, and oh, one thing I remember about this show I can't believe I've left this out. one of the uh hallmarks of a tokusatsu series or any uh Japanese series is the eye catches you know what an eye catches, right, yeah. Well, during the eye catches, they have one of the Photon Warriors face the camera and shout, The light shines! And that always just stuck out to me. Maybe it's because I was a gigantic nerd back then, so... There you go. Like I said, that's pretty much it. Photon, the light versus the dark. One cannot exist without the other. It's a cosmic pas de deux which... Given a reasonable budget and a whole lot of music, gave us this thing on TV. And now I'm going to blow out my birthday candle. Anywho, we have uh, 233 things on TV just like this one at our website. It was a thingontv.com. There you'll find links to all of our episodes, all of our mini-sodes, including one we just recorded.
0: That will be up on our Podbean feed on Saturday, or if you are listening to this on Place to Be Nation Pop right after this episode.
1: And it is one of the funniest things that we've ever seen. It's basically the final episode of Super Password where Betty destroys the toaster. And um, we also have links to all of our socials. Remember, we're on all social media at It Was a Thing on TV or on Facebook at It Was a Thing on TV podcast. And we also have links to our good friends at uh, Place to Be Nation, where we link all of our uh, weekly drops every Wednesday. What do we have this week? CBS Sports 90.
2: We
1: have CBS Sports 90 and the Pinball Show Part 2. We also have the uh, live watch of the Book of Boba Fett.
2: Yeah, I'm going to put that in. Yeah, that'll be in that same drop too.
1: Yeah. And, um... We well, might we have, have two, two live opinion. watches
2: this weekend.
1: Yeah. Uh, among the three of us, we're looking at two more live watches. One is Peacemaker on HBO Max, the other is the Nickelodeon Super Wildcard Weekend game, which I'm convinced is now a thing.
2: Which like is now an annual
1: As long as Viacom CBS has the NFL rights. They're going to make it into a thing.
0: And we really thought it was going to be a one-time only thing, but it was so popular.
1: It was oh, yeah. so amazing. You know what? Nickelodeon did a really good job last year. Yes.
2: They did a super job. Yes. Yes. And the entire announcing crew from last year's back.
1: Yep. Uh, that would be Nate Burleson, Gabrielle DeVea Green, and Iron uh, Eagle. Ian Eagle 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 yeah. yeah. Eagle's son.
2: Noah. Ian Eagle's
1: Eagle's son. Noah Eagle, sorry.
2: Yeah, Noah Eagle. Now
0: I think we need to do some uh, prop bets on which player is going to be the puss-puss that avoids
2: the slime. Well, I got an idea. Prop bet, who is PFT going to rig the vote for to win the MVP award? George Kittle. Uh, Andy Dalton, even though he's not playing. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Don't say that. George
0: Kittle's a good player. He's still a good player. Don't say that. It would be great. He's a good
2: player. It'd be great if, like, I don't know. What if Jimmy G was the MVP of the award? That'd be like the ultimate revenge on you-know-who. Like, hey, you don't have an MVP award. You got seven Super Bowl rings. I got an MVP. You might have a pharmacy from Alex Guerrero, but I got the only award that matters, the MVP award. Me and Mitchell Trubisky could say we're the only two people that have won it.
1: And I imagine that Ezekiel Elliott is going to get more than one sliming. Because they you know, they call the end zone the slime zone. The
2: slime zone. They don't call it the end zone. It's the slime zone. Oh, it's going to be the Debo Samuel slime zone this week. <laughs> and then when they put the nets up, they're going to have Spongebob's face on them. So you're telling me Greg Zerline is going to be kicking into Spongebob? Oh yes! No, I want to see like when the replay challenges happen. I want to see like Patrick talk about the review challenges.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy! Well,
2: upon
0: further review, the call is (laughs) overturned. SpongeBob, third down.
1: It's like Bill Faggerbox in the room.
0: And now, you know. Now I'm seeing uh, Sandy being a cheerleader. Stop it, Greg! <laughs> Don't ruin the game until it actually happens. Oh, jeez.
1: Uh, well, next week we have uh, another couple of shows. The first one is completely and totally and utterly bogus.
2: Oh, we've had this on our watch list for like a long time, and now we're finally going to talk about it and. Let me assure you, it's terrible.
0: Greg, I apologize in advance. I'm the person who submitted this, and I think we universally are like, why did I do that?
2: This is not good. This is
0: bad. The
1: name even says it's bad. It's terrible. That's terrible. He looks like Freddy Freaker's son. (laughs) Jeez, Freddy Freaker. Oh, no. Two dollars a call. (laughs) Oh, geez. And then the other one, we have a famous trio of brothers playing a not-so-famous trio of brothers.
0: Whoa! Whoa! Whoa. 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 I I actually said whoa because I had a question. No, I didn't. I was giving away a hint towards what the show is.
1: Well, that's all coming up next time right here on It Was a Thing on TV. Thanks for listening. Please be kind to each other, and we will see you next time. Wow! The light